Boo, bitches. <laughs> hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. Today's episode is dedicated to Ellie Fever. <laughs> You're dropping last name and everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. We love you, Ellie. Heart. Heart. <laughs> We're in kind of a silly, silly goofy mood. <laughs> um, we just got done watching Murderville on Netflix. It's so good. Highly recommend. If you like comedy and murder if you're listening to this you probably do because we're hilarious but it's so good you should watch it on netflix we've literally been coming up with like a list of like who we would want to see on it in the future really love it are we like explaining what it is or (laughs) it no okay (laughs) go look at it okay (laughs) they'll figure it out yeah go watch it yeah i think my favorite episode was the third one with kumail Mm -hmm. yeah i like that one too that was my favorite same but anyways, everyone go watch it. Yes. Recommend. It's only six episodes. Yeah. Hopefully they make more because yeah. there will be there are so many options for good people to mm-hmm. have guests on that show. Also, it so. seems like Netflix just dropped like a bunch of interesting stuff. Seriously. And after like not doing that for months. <laughs> Thank goodness. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like there was something else that we were going to talk about. I don't know. And it's gone from my brain. So I've got nothing. Same. That was all. Okay. Alrighty. Shall we get into it? Yep. Okay. Today, we are talking about the murder of Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia. Yes. It just came over me while I was looking up the Sally House. (laughs) It's been on our list for a long time. The Sally House, let me just tell you guys, it is hard to research and I did not have the mental capacity to like find the stories about there's it. also so much like to watch regarding the sally yeah. house i didn't have it in me today that's fair so here we are with the black dahlia there I'll this say, is also a good one there's so. an episode of ghost adventures that went to one of the suspects houses but i didn't watch it for this because i just feel like that would just be disrespectful to elizabeth short and that's I was fair like, yeah it's not like this is about a haunting yeah so we're not gonna talk about well, uh, that's all I have. I'll tell cool. it. Like, we'll know which suspect it is. But okay. Anyway, let's get started. Let's do it. Talking about Elizabeth Short first. Mm-hmm. So she was born to Cleo A. Short and Phoebe May Sawyer as the third of five daughters. That's a lot of girls. So Cleo was the dad. Dad. Yep. I didn't know that that was a no, but male he's name. an interesting dude. We'll talk. about I just him think in a about <laughs> Cleo. Yeah. <laughs> From H two O. I was talking about that at work the other day. <laughs> Good. Um, Elizabeth was born on July 29th, 1924, which just feels so far. That's almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, they were living near Hyde Park in Boston, Massachusetts at the time. Okay. Three years later, they briefly moved to Portland, Maine. And then ended up back in Medford, which was a suburb of Boston, later Mm -hmm. that year in 1927. Also, I've never been to Massachusetts, so if I say any of this stuff wrong. That's okay. Yeah. That didn't feel wrong, but... That felt fine. But I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) After listening to a lot of Morbid and them, like, being from there and then them, like, talking about place, I'm like, what if I'm just butchering it? Anyway. Um, so, Cleo, Mr. Short. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked on creating miniature golf courses. That was his job for a while. 
Interesting. Mm -hmm. But when the stock market crashed in 1929, he lost most of his savings. Yeah. So that was rough. Yeah. And then I would also guess that that business was not very lucrative. No. In the first place. No. (laughs) And he had five daughters. Yeah. And he was supporting them on miniature golf, though. It's very interesting. I mean, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Well, in 1930, when Elizabeth was six years old, Mr. Short's car was found on the Charleston Bridge. Charlestown Bridge? Not sure. Has a W in there. Okay. uh, Abandoned. And people believed that he had jumped into the river below. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll come back to him. Okay. Um, Mrs. Short, Phoebe, uh, she got a job to support her family as a bookkeeper after this because okay. she still had five daughters to yeah well i don't know if they were all born at that point she had mm-hmm. a lot of daughters yeah anyway. at least three um several years later so they're just living their lives mm-hmm. a few years later well not a few several uh elizabeth was diagnosed with bronchitis and severe asthma mm-hmm. and so at the age of 15 she had lung surgery which led doctors to urge the short family to move to a milder climate that was supposed to help with her respiratory issues yeah so instead of just moving somewhere, Mrs. Short sent Elizabeth to Miami um, every winter for like the next three years to be with family friends. That seems like more work. Yeah. I don't know. Because they weren't like flying. Like, how was she getting there? Yeah, I don't know. A car? <laughs> All the way from Massachusetts to Florida. In like, what, the 1920s? 30s? That's a lot. 30s or 40s. Yeah, I don't know. A train, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to think about it too much. <laughs> I don't want to. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's what she was doing. Um, in her sophomore year of high school, Elizabeth dropped out, though. Mm-hmm. So she did not finish, to my knowledge. So in 1942, 12 years after they presumed Mr. Short was dead, uh, he wrote an apology letter to F- Mrs. Short, Phoebe, and told her that he was actually living a new life in California. <laughs> How yeah. mad would you be? <laughs> I'd be so mad. years? And then you're like, ooh, I kind of feel bad about that now. <laughs> he couldn't take them with him. It's like, that's such a long time. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's rough. It's, it's bad. That's really rough. Yeah. Um, in December of that year, 1942, Elizabeth, who was now 18, mm-hmm. packed up and moved out to California to live with her dad, who she hadn't seen since she was six years old. Yeah, that's a bold move. Mm-hmm. At the time... Cleo, Mr. Short, I never know what to call him. I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, was working at a Navy shipyard on San Francisco Bay at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty quickly, though, they got into some arguments, Cleo and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And by January 1943, Elizabeth moved out. So, like, within like a month, basically. Yeah. It didn't work. Here's the deal if he was willing to fake his death and leave your family when you were six, yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess you're not going to get along super great. <laughs> no. I, yeah. Yeah. No. Doesn't sound like like a great moral compass on that one. Not really, no. Yeah. <laughs> so then Elizabeth got a job working at Camp Cook at a base exchange near Lompoc, California. I don't know. It's an Air Force base. Cool. And she lived with an Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her, sadly. Mm. I don't know his name. He sucks, if that's true. Screw you. So, yeah. Yeah. She had a thing for the guys in the military. Okay. That continues. Okay. Um, just her thing. Not a bad thing. No, she's that's fine. A, she's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, later that year, 1943, Elizabeth moved to Santa Barbara, 
I just think about Sykes. Santa Barbara. Uh, and there she was actually arrested. <laughs> Whoa. On September 23rd for underage drinking at a local bar. Okay. She, yeah. So she's like 18. So it makes sense. Um, but then the authorities wanted to send her back to Massachusetts, which I don't understand. You can't just like. Like they wanted de- to like. Deport her. Yeah. Back to where she came from in the country. Which is. That's very strange. For underage drinking. Well, and she's an adult. She's over 18. So she could live on her own. Like, yeah. Like you don't. I know that in that time, they didn't really look kindly on women living on their own, but but still. still. Yeah. Um, Instead of going back to Boston, Elizabeth made her way to Florida instead. Okay. And she did visit her family a couple times up in Boston, but for the most part, she was in Florida. Mm -hmm. So while she was down in Florida, she met Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., what a name. I was going to say that's a name. Yeah. Uh, he was also in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was training to be deployed in World War II. Yeah. So um, Elizabeth told her friends that Matthew wrote her a note um, saying he wanted to marry her while he was in India recovering from a plane crash. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she accepted his proposal. Yeah. But then on August 10th, 1945... He was in another plane crash and died less than a month before the end of the war. Oh. Yeah. So. That's upsetting. Yeah. Her fiance. Two plane crashes. That. Yeah. Is terrifying. Yeah. No, thank you. Mm Mm-mm. I don't mind planes, but if I think too much about it, then I freak yeah. out. <laughs> it's just a tube in the sky. Yeah, but I don't like that. <laughs> so, uh, in 1946, Elizabeth moved to Los Angeles in July, and she was kind of going there because she had an acquaintance. I don't think they were. I think they were just friends. Um, another guy in the Air Force. <laughs> okay. Named Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, and they met while they were in Florida, and then he got stationed in Long mm-hmm. Beach in California. Okay. And so that's who she knew while she was there, I guess. Cool. Uh, she worked as a waitress in L.A. And she had a room she rented behind a nightclub called Florentine Florentine Gardens on Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. So that's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, many people described her as an aspiring aspiring or would-be actress and some people said that she wanted to be in movies but she didn't have any acting credentials that people could like find about her yeah so i've always heard that yes but we're gonna talk about stuff that people have said about her okay and like kind of be my blood boy <laughs> great yeah so now we are in 1947. Mm-hmm. So on January 9th, 1947, Elizabeth Short got back to LA after a trip to San Diego with the married man she was dating named Robert Red. That was his nickname. Manly. And he was a 25-year-old salesman. She was about 22, 23. Okay. So she, yeah, she was dating a married man, which is like, whatever. I mean, I mean yeah. He not that- great, but it's more on him than on her. Yes. Like- yeah. But that also doesn't mean she's a terrible person. Yes necessary exactly that's not what that means yeah so robert manley later said that he dropped elizabeth off at the biltmore hotel in downtown la and that she was going to meet one of her sisters that was visiting from boston okay um there are a few accounts saying that the staff at the hotel saw elizabeth use a phone in the lobby and then later um, witnesses at the crown grill cocktail lounge nearby said they saw her so like that's the last several witnesses Mm -hmm. that there were and elizabeth short was not seen alive again that we know of like there's like a week of her life that no one really knows anything about yeah 
Like, I can't believe, like, no one knows anything about yeah. that. Um, many people who did not know Elizabeth claimed that they had seen her during that week, but investigators were able to rule out pretty much all of those, like, yeah. sightings. It was either people that looked like her or just, they were just lying. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are lying in this I case. I hate that. Yeah. It's very, very infuriating. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, you're just take you're wasting people's time. So, now we're going to go on to the murder. Mm-hmm. Trigger warning. Some of this is going to be a bit brutal. Yeah. This is probably not the episode for you if you can't. If you this don't. one's pretty bad. Yeah, it's rough. So on the morning of January 15th, 1947, week about a week later, Elizabeth's naked body was found in a vacant lot in the neighborhood of Limert, Limert Park, and her body was severed into two parts. Um, this part of town was pretty underdeveloped, so like I don't think there was a lot going on like Mm -hmm. it made sense that people didn't see her right away yeah um a resident named betty bursinger and her three-year-old daughter were out for a walk around 10 a.m when they discovered the body Uh, at first betty thought it was a mannequin Mm -hmm. and then she realized that it was a real person and she ran to someone's house and called the police i can't imagine no one finding that and two having your three-year-old no with you that's so hor- so horrific um detectives arrived and noted that there was a heel print on the ground and some like among the tire tracks and then a cement sack with watery blood close by i don't oh. even just sound so gross yeah i don't know so now we're gonna talk about her body just rough yeah <laughs> so um elizabeth's body was severed at the waist and completely drained of blood and her skin was very white mm-hmm. sorry i just feel so like imagining and there's like pictures which yeah. is so horrible because people are terrible people it, yeah um according to medical examiners it appeared that she had been dead for about 10 hours before betty found her so there's literally a week of her life that no one knows anything yeah. about um her time of death was either really late on january 14th or early on january 15th okay um her body appeared to have been washed and her face was slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears Ooh. which is known as the glasgow smile which oh that my gosh yeah. yeah i think we were talking to our friend ellie about this mm-hmm. and i was like that's the first thing that she remembered but when i i just think of the body being in two i don't always think about yeah. the smile and so i was like wow that's it's interesting to know what sticks out about mm-hmm. different cases but we'll talk about there's information from the autopsy about all of this too okay so i was like, gonna we'll say go i had questions it. but i didn't want to skip ahead no this is just like initial mm-hmm. looking at it um there were cuts on her breasts and thighs in the lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the top um her intestines this is really gross people was were tucked under her bottom which what this person is so messed up yeah um her hands were posed over her head with her elbows bent into night into right angles Mm -hmm. and her legs were apart and reporters began to arrive at the scene and one by the name of aggie underwood for the los angeles herald express started to take pictures of everything just just like really uh yeah like the media took this and ran with it and it's so horrible so on january 16th 1947 the los angeles county coroner frederick newbar performed the autopsy on elizabeth short's body at this point, they did not know, like, who she was. Mm-hmm. They had not identified her. Again, trigger warning, some more details. Um, according to the report, Elizabeth was 5 feet 5 inches tall. Um, she weighed about 115 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she weighed a bit more with her blood, but not... I'm wondering if, if they that's, like, counted for that. I have no idea. That still seems so tiny. Yeah. 
She's so tiny. Uh, she's taller than me. And yeah, that's so, very yeah. small. Yeah, I'm wondering if they if that's her weight, that, like as she idea. was, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, she had brown hair, light blue eyes, and de- badly decayed teeth, which is very interesting. Like I don't, because I'm like, if she only died ten hours before she was found. And this was done the next day. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, There were superficial lacerations on her right forearm, her left upper arm, and her lower left side of her chest. There were also ligature marks on her wrists, ankles, and neck. And she had an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss on her right breast. I don't know what all of it means. Mm -hmm. A technique called hem <laughs> hemicorporectomy uh, sure uh which was taught in the 1930s was the technique that was used to sever her body in half Ooh. so it's kind of had to like it was this very specific way that it was done okay. so it would most likely have to be someone that had some sort of medical yeah. training because it was just, i don't they like explained a little i saw like a bit of an explanation but it was a little too much for me like I was, you don't have to go into detail no, on it. i was like that's a little too much information yeah. like graphic information like i was already like this feels like a lot so there was a little bruising along the incision line mm-hmm. which led the coroner like it wasn't a lot it led the coroner to believe that it was most likely post-mortem which is okay yeah yeah like it wasn't because some bruising i think can happen post-mortem. yeah but i don't think it was a lot so okay thank goodness she was yeah not breathing for that part because that is i can't do they know what her cause of death was? Yes, I'm not. Okay. I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's more. I have more questions. There's but. more. Um, there was a four and a fourth inch laceration on her stomach area. She had two more lacerations, the two lacerations on her face that we mm-hmm. talked about. One On her right side, it was about three inches long. And on her left side, it was about two and a half inches. There was some bruising on the front and right side of her skull. No fractures, mm-hmm. but there was bruising. And there was a little bit of bleeding on the right side, which is consistent with blows to the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newbar, the coroner, noted that there was some indication that she might have been sexually assaulted. And he tested for evidence of that and it came back negative. But he said it looked like there was a possibility, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to read more about it. So. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Short's cause of death was hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from blows to her head and face. So the cuts on her face were... Yeah, and getting hit were what caused so, hemorrhaging. Okay, but I was going to ask if the lacerations on her face were post-mortem, but they were not. No, it was a part of the cause of death. Oh, God. Yeah. Like her body, her brain yeah. couldn't handle yeah 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 i don't think i ever realized that i think i always thought those were post-mortem nope unfortunately wow it's rough yeah yeah so because elizabeth had been arrested in 1943 Mm -hmm. her fingerprints were on file yeah and the fbi was able to identify her now we're gonna like really get upset do you want to know how elizabeth's mom phoebe found out that her daughter had died no uh, so after Elizabeth was identified, before the mom found out, like, yeah. uh, reporters from the Los Angeles Examiner contacted Phoebe Short, who was still in Boston, yeah, and they told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest, and they started to try and get personal information about her, like, for a story. Are you kidding me? Nope. And once they got all the information they could, they told Phoebe that their daughter had actually been murdered. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And how do you live with yourself? I don't know. Yeah. So then the examiner of the newspaper also offered to pay for Phoebe to come to LA to, quote, help with the investigation. But really, they just like wanted to like put her, keep her away from the police and from other papers and like keep their story. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's horrific. I can't. Yeah. So the examiner and the Los Angeles Herald Express made up some information, which sensationalized the case. Of course they did. And they were resp- They were like part of the reason why Elizabeth Short was given the nickname of the Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. They described her as wearing, so she was actually like last seen wearing like a black tailored suit, I think. Mm-hmm. But they like made up a story that she was wearing a tight shirt, a tight skirt and like a sheer blouse. Like they're always like, she's always wearing sheer black clothing. And it's like, that's just not true. Yeah. And they also said she was, quote, an adventurous who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. And it's just like, these are, she was not like that. Yeah. And on January 17th, the LA Times said that the murder was, quote, a sex fiend slaying. I can't. Yeah. There were a lot of rumors circulating about her being a sex worker. Um, there were some rumors that she was a lesbian and that she was, like, wouldn't sleep with men. There were just, like, some other really gross things that I I don't want to say, but it was just, like, how do you even make, like, it was, some of them were just, like, how do you come up with something that well, dumb and that And rude? it's just, like, this girl is a murder victim. And yeah. they are literally just sexualizing a murder victim yeah. for the story. Yeah. And just and all these theories like bring like bring that bias into police investigation. Yeah. Like even if the police are like trying to do their job, some of them are gonna get distracted by that. And yeah. like that just becomes a huge thing. So that is. It was so I was just reading all of it and I was like, this is making me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> that they just made this stuff up and got away with it and her murder has never been found actually. Like yeah. never charged really. Like, yeah. <laughs> the investigation. So on January twenty first, nineteen forty seven, a phone call was made to the editor of the examiner, James Richardson, and the caller claimed to be the killer. Uh, this person was congratulating Richardson on the paper's coverage of the case and said that he was going to turn himself in after allowing the police to look for him a bit more. Okay. Yeah. The caller also said that the paper should, quote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Hmm. Three days later, on January 24th, a U.S. postal worker found a manila envelope that looked look suspicious that was addressed to the examiner and other papers with words cut and pasted in a message that said here is dahlia's belongings letter to follow and in this envelope there was elizabeth's birth certificate Mm -hmm. business cards names written on paper some photos and an address book with the name mark hansen on the cover Mm -hmm. so that didn't belong to her it belonged to someone else yeah just some weird things in there but her birth certificate was yeah so like elizabeth's body the envelope had been cleaned and this is a connection the police are making because i don't think that detail was released to the public so i think they were like yeah this is probably the killer uh even though it had been cleaned some fingerprints were still found but and like they were going to send it to the fbi to test it and then on the way there the evidence got like messed up compromised and couldn't be analyzed that's so annoying yeah so on also on the 24th of january still all pretty close to when her body was found a handbag and a black suede shoe were reported on a trash can in an alley just two miles from where elizabeth's body was found Mm -hmm. and these items had also been cleaned in the same way that the packet in her body had been it's very interesting that someone like reported that because like they were two miles away like that's not close yeah i don't know that's interesting i I think everybody was focused on this though so they were like it could be connected yeah so we're past we're we're fast forwarding a little bit and then we're gonna go back to january cool (laughs) we're jumping forward to march 14th okay um a suicide note was written that was written in pencil was found 
um, inside of a shoe in a pile of men's clothing near the ocean in Venice Beach. Okay. The clothes like had a coat, some pants, socks, moccasins, and a brown and white t-shirt. And the note said, quote, to whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. I don't know who Mary is. Yeah. Anyway. After that note was found, a beach patrolman got the attention of a lifeguard named John Dillon, and he called the police, and so that was another note that, there's a lot of notes, so I think maybe I just included it. Timeline didn't matter, That's (laughs) apparently. (laughs) So, in the following weeks, the LAPD interviewed over 150 men who were potential suspects. Oh, wow. For that note? Like, following that note? Yeah, or I think just... No, I think after her body was found, just like anybody. And like the man whose name was on that like address book, Mm -hmm. I think there were like men's names in that that they like also interviewed. They were just like, yeah, that makes sense. Anyone that's connected to this in any way. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that guy later. Cool. So I didn't talk about him here, but we will talk about him. Um, A total of 750 investigators worked on the case and they searched a lot of places all over LA for evidence. I don't think they found much, but like they searched like sewers and just like very weird places weird. for evidence. So a city councilman named Lloyd G. Davis offered a reward of $10,000, which today would be about $115,000 Okay. Um, for any information on the case. Because of the reward, some people gave false confessions. Obviously. <laughs> and most of them were charged with obstruction of justice. Good. So if someone's actually doing their job, right? At that point, like yeah. if you're, actually trying so on january 26th now we're back in january great (laughs) same year i really don't know why i went to that direction that's okay apologies everyone on january 26th the examiner newspaper received another letter that was handwritten this time and it said quote here it is turning in wednesday january 29th 10 a.m had my fun at police black dahlia avenger the letter also had a location where the supposed killer would turn himself in okay Apparently. So the police waited at that location on the morning of January 29th, but the alleged killer did not show up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Surprising. Instead, at 1 p.m., the examiner received another letter that was cut and pasted and it said quote have changed my mind you would not give me a square deal dahlia killing was justified Hmm. this person doing a lot yeah um all of these letters were like what was leading this case to be a big deal to the media i feel like reminds me of zodiac i was gonna say i was was before that zodiac Yeah. yeah I don't think I always like put together that there were a lot of letters with this. I never associate it with no. that. And so I was, I was like, this is very similar, but yeah. before Zodiac was even a mm-hmm. thing. Even the telling them to meet him somewhere mm-hmm. and then not showing up because Zodiac did that too. Yeah. These ones are just not in code. Yeah. So to my knowledge, I don't think they were in code. Guys, we're going to talk about Zodiac soon. Guys, I've been Spoiler doing so alert. much research. Sydney's pumped. Anyway, (laughs) so local and national outlets were now at this point covering the story and making more claims about Elizabeth saying that she had been tortured for hours, which the autopsy does not say that. Yeah. It just does not. Not true. Yeah. They're just making stuff up. So the Herald Express paper received letters as well. And one that was cut and pasted said, quote, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. (laughs) So he's like trying to bargain. Yeah, kind of. But also, I don't think this person's ever going to turn themselves in. Yeah, actually. interesting. So the examiner was running 
so many stories on the case that it was front page news for 35 days after the discovery of her body. Wow. Yeah. At that point, they have to make it up. There's not that much information that they're releasing to the public. Yeah, that's that you would a lot. Have 35 days worth of front page news. Mm-mm. On February 1st, the LA Daily News said that the case had no new leads and had run into a wall. But again, that's an outlet, so I don't really yeah. know. Uh, the lead investigator on the case was Captain Jack Donahue, and he told the media that he thought the murder had taken place in a remote building outside of L.A., and then was then Elizabeth's body was brought into the city. Yeah. Which I think is a fair... Like, it's plausible, but he doesn't have any evidence for that. No, it's just it like a theory. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> that was just... Okay. The lead detectives. Yeah wonderings so the lapd was looking into the possibility of the killer being a surgeon or doctor because Mm -hmm. of you know the technique that was used and later in february that year the they lapd sent a warrant to the university of southern california medical school since it was nearby to where her body was found yeah and they performed background checks on all of those students and the school allowed it as long as they like kept their identities like sealed from the yeah. public okay and yeah. they did it and like nothing came of any of the background checks like, yeah. i don't think they found anything of note so by spring 1947 and then after that that's when that suicide note that i put in the middle of january yeah. <laughs> was cool. found got it but by spring 1947 the murder of elizabeth short was pretty much a cold case um, one of the lead detectives was Sergeant Finnis Brown, and he said that the media had disturbed the investigation so much with incorrect details and theories. Yeah. And I think that is true. Oh, yeah. Not very many times the media is, like, helpful. Like, Gabby Petito is one example yeah. of it being helpful, but, like, this is not helpful. Well, it's like... I mean, it's, we make up bad stories about the victim. Exactly. Like, like, it's helpful to get their names out there, especially, like, when they're missing persons mm-hmm. or, like... We don't need to make up stories about anyone, but like murdered victims. Exactly. Like, like making up stories about who they were or something is never going to be helpful. No, not at all. So in September 1949, a grand jury discussed the inadequacies of the LAPD in their yeah. homicide investigation. And I think they had also not been having a great time with other homicide investigations. Yeah. When are they ever? I was going to say, the LAPD has never been known to be, like... Good at that. Super on their game. No. So, they were being discussed. Yeah. So, the police received... Now we're going to talk about the suspects a bit. Okay. I don't have too many details. That's okay. It's kind of a short episode. That's okay. That's all right. So, the police received 60 confessions, mostly by men, to the murder of Elizabeth Short. Yeah. That was just in the initial investigation. Over 500 people have since confessed to the crime. Some of them weren't even born when she died. People are ridiculous. They're just crazy at that point. Like, why would you confess to that? When you very clearly were, like, not even a baby. Like, (laughs) people just want attention. Yeah. It's so, so dumb. So, Sergeant John P. St. John. What a Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Worked on the case until he retired. And he said, quote, it is amazing how many people offer up a relative as the killer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I respect those people. It's better than people that hide it. That's fair. But there really are so many cases where it's like, someone's like, I think it was my dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> And like with Ted Bundy, his girlfriend. Yeah. He's like, uh, I think it's him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that is one of one suspects, obviously. Yes. has that um so here's just a list of the few of the suspects that experts are still discussing 
Okay. About this case, um, there was a doctor named Walter Bailey. Okay. There was an LA Times publisher named Norman Chandler, and an author claimed that he had impregnated Elizabeth. Okay. Not true, I don't think. Uh, I mean, yeah, that would have been found on the autopsy. Yeah, no, I, I think they found that she ha- she had never been and was not pregnant. Yeah. Like, she just wasn't. And then Mark Hansen, who's address book was found or mm-hmm. was sent to the newspapers robert manley who was the man she had been dating and george hodell mm-hmm. so we're going to start with mark hansen he was one of the first suspects obviously since his name was literally given to them yeah he was a wealthy nightclub and theater owner and he knew elizabeth and some of her friends like i think he was just kind of an acquaintance but i do think they kind of stayed at his home once mm-hmm. or twice uh some sources also say that Mark had claimed that the handbag and shoes that were found in that alley were Elizabeth's. And so he knew that about yeah. her, which is just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth's friend and roommate, Ann Toth, told investigators that Mark had motive because, like she thought, because he, she said that Elizabeth had recently rejected sexual advances from him. Okay. I don't know. Ultimately, he was cleared by the police, so I don't exactly know, but... I mean, to be fair, with all of the, like, letters and, like, that stuff with police, it wouldn't make sense for him to send that to police and just, like, give up his own name. Yeah, no. It seems like it was, like, a wild goose chase for someone. Yeah. Uh, so then another suspect I want to talk about is Robert Manley, the mm-hmm. guy she was dating. I don't have much on him, but he was investigated since he was one of the last people known to have seen Elizabeth alive. Yeah. But he passed several polygraph tests. Not sure how accurate, okay. but yeah. he passed a lot of them, I guess. And so he was cleared. Interesting. Don't know what he was asked. Yeah. But, and I don't know how accurate because it was 1920s and... I mean, or they're 19, not even no, accurate. It was later. It was later than I. It was the forties. Forties. Yeah. I mean, they're not even super accurate. <laughs> now, I mean, they're not admissible today. So. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. He was cleared. I don't know if it. I don't. I doubt it was him. Yeah. I don't really know what motive he would have. We don't know of any. Yeah. So now for our final suspect to talk about is George Hodel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes my skin crawl even hearing his name. Yeah, he's the one I've always... This is the one I think... This is the one that they investigated on Ghost Adventures, his home. Mm -hmm. Not going to talk about the episode, but we should watch it. It's kind of interesting. Okay. But he was never formally charged in the crime, but he was actually accused by his son, L.A. homicide detective Steve Hodel. Yeah. And he was accused for the murder of Elizabeth Short, along with other murders, like his secretary, Ruth Spaulding. I don't think he was ever obviously charged with that one either, but yeah. I think um, people were pretty suspicious of him. And he was also accused of raping his own daughter, Tamar. Yeah. And I think there people thought he also impregnated his daughter. So, so. he's not a good guy. <laughs> he's <laughs> he a sucks. bad person. Yeah. Um, Steve Hodel, his son, cited that his father had training as a surgeon. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible he could have done it. Yeah. There were also, like, the police, I think, wiretapped his home, George Hodel's home, and they had some recorded conversations. And one of them was between him and an unknown visitor that was talking. Yeah. And George Hodel said, quote, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia, they couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. Yeah, that doesn't look good for him. Mm-mm. And his son was on... Like, his son was a detective? I think maybe later. Okay. I don't know if he was a detective at the time. Okay. But his own son is like, my dad is not a good person, and I think he did this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Later, 
George Hodel would flee the country multiple times. Yeah, that doesn't look good either. Mm-hmm. He hid out in the Philippines from 1950 to 1990. Mm-hmm. And he is no longer with us. Well, on good. This earth. So rest in hell. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did it. I don't. There's Even if he didn't, yeah. he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did other bad things and he probably, you know, killed his own secretary. So, yeah. And thinks it's like. I think he did it. Yeah. Something about your son, who's an actual detective, being like, he did it. Yeah, it's not just like, because like even when any family member is convinced someone could be a murderer, I mean, that's at least a sign that they're a bad person. Yeah. But if someone is like aware of how investigations go and Mm -hmm. stuff and is still convinced, then that's definitely a little more of a not a good sign no and there were a couple other like crimes and murders in different like parts of the country around the same time that like Mm -hmm. had some similarities to this but i don't think there were any that were like as like they did not match up exactly yeah and so i feel like this is the one that makes the most sense and like yeah he's had the training out of the other people and yeah it's very specific and I know that people think that he like did it in a bathtub and like yeah. that's so gross. But Ugh. yeah. Pretty sure they brought in like a psychic on the Ghost Adventure. Of episode. course they did. Yeah, Patty, you know. Yeah, I know is. Patty. <laughs> that was the first episode I think I ever saw with her and it's like ingrained in my head. Like it's so deep in there. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but a core memory for you. Yeah. That? But anyway, that's Black Dahlia. Yeah, that one hurts me. Mm-hmm. It's a short one, but yeah, um, I've had a busy week, guys, and I have another busy week. Life, yeah, blow us up so this can be our full time gig. <laughs> yeah, let me <laughs> let me just do nothing else. <laughs> okay, um, it is palate cleanser time. Okay, I remember the word for it. Yeah, um, that never happens. Let's go with um, pick a number one through four. Three. Okay, I'm not gonna give you three. Actually, I don't really like three. I should have <laughs> oh. made you pick one through three, but I'll give you the other three if i had just cut that middle one out okay. i don't <laughs> sorry <laughs> my brain's not really working neither is mine okay. so um well this one's on brand uh katie said quote i'm surprised there aren't more serial killers that were theater kids <laughs> and that was targeted at me mm-hmm. so while we were playing mario kart <laughs> yeah. also it was brought to our attention that people don't know that we have a Wii. <laughs> so oh, they thought yeah. we were playing Mario Kart on our phone. No. No, we have a Wii, guys. Mario we're legit. Kart Wii. <laughs> we are legit. <laughs> that's that's what makes us legit. Yeah. We have a Wii. Um, but anyway. And we have all the characters now. Update. <laughs> I think in case are, you were worried. I, whoa. I think people are invested in our Mario Kart game. Everyone we've told does not care. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay yeah um anyway anyway you guys should follow us on all the things on instagram at something sick podcast or on tiktok twitter at oh, a twitter. sick podcast or on tiktok at something sick podcast or send us a nice email at something sick podcast at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next time homies peace out boo bitches <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs>